Welcome back, Charles Riders, to another episode of the Charles Garage Radio Podcast. This month in the garage, we're talking all about customization. So I've brought a lead 3D artist, Arno Male, to give us a little insight into what goes into that. How are you doing today, Arno? Yo, yo, yo. I'm pr- doing pretty fine. Excellent. So one thing we like to do on this podcast before we jump into the topic at hand is get to know you a little bit. So uh, here at uh, Red Links, you're on the art team. So my first question is, what came first for you, games or art? Games, of course. I remember I was like uh, six year old and we got the Nintendo in our home. So I think I started playing games before I started, started doing art. Excellent. Excellent. So that, uh, so the next question will kind of, kind of just roll, <laughs> roll along here a little bit. So, so games first. So did you, did you know you wanted to get into gaming as a job or was it more like kind of a hobby type thing? No, it was a dream of mine. Yeah. Uh, when I was a kid, I was like dreaming I'm going to either be a game developer or I'm going to be a heli- helicopter pilot. But my other eye is pretty bad. I can, it's uh, half blind. So then it was one thing left, and then it was making games. <laughs> nice, nice. So, uh, so, so then how did you get started uh, doing art? Uh, well, I was like in the college, I was like thinking, I didn't know what I would really wanted to do. I was like thinking that actually making games seems so far away. But when I was in the doing my military service, uh, during that time, I I tried to attend this uh, media assistant school, which, which has more like 3D on it. And and during the military time, I actually uh, got the, got, I got, got into that school. And after that, I was spent like six, eight years in the different schools. Uh, the first one was two and a half years. I, I learned learned a lot in, in that place. And but then I felt that it wasn't enough, and I need because I started doing art when I was like uh, nineteen years old. Uh, I I did some random drawings before that, but my I really actually started to be. I wanted to become a three D artist when I was like uh, twenty years old. Then I knew I actually I want to be a 3D artist, so I started everything in that age, uh, drawing and 3D. Awesome, awesome. So that's a lot of progress because Arno's a very talented man. Um, so next up, so spinning off of that, how did you get involved into the game industry? Well, after the six years in the school, uh, we have this mandatory thing where you have to go into a, a company like uh, commercials or like game industry and. And you have to be like three months there. Do you know that the school needs that you do some, you get some work experience. Sure. And well, I tried different like game companies because I was like thinking I want to go to gaming company. I don't want to get to uh, work in a dull office, but I want to be in a, some in a game industry because, well, I'm a little bit crazy person myself, so I think I wouldn't fit in a in a normal place, but. Uh, I actually got an almost a job in a like a video commercial place, but, I, okay. but during the same time I also was in uh, interviewed by Red Lynx and and I saw and then Auntie actually called me one day when I was in the F Secure office, and during that day we had like excursion in that place and then Auntie called me and I was like who the who the who is this calling me <laughs> and then like very. Uh, deep voice auntie calling me so you went to, you come into the interview here so why do you come actually uh, talk more and blah 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 it's like uh, <laughs> actually my heart heart started pumping like oh my god it's happening now <laughs> nice nice I I also like uh, my introduction into to working at Red Links was a call from auntie 
So uh, that's interesting to hear somebody else that's had that experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so finally, so so Red Links is kind of your first, your first and only, I guess, game company that you worked for. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it started as a like working experience thing for three months. Uh, yeah, I started actually as a level designer. Uh, my first job was to well just to learn the level editor because I haven't actually uh, played any trials games before Red Link. So my first job was to learn the editor so I could make like cool tracks. Uh, I was like, two years a level level editor guy, but I never actually like learned to do the scripting stuff. I'm very bad at the coding also. Sure. But I, I was more like the graphic guy. I tried to make like cool, cool looking environments and one of like my favorite tracks for what I made uh, as a level designer was uh, The Big Dig and, and Steam Shock. Sure. There were some others too. Yeah. So that leads me in. So those were two tracks I think from the first DLC on Trials Evolution? Maybe first second? or second DLC. Yeah. yeah. So so that's uh that leads right into my my final kind of getting to know you question, which is uh how how'd you get involved with trials and what has been your experience with trials so far? Well, I came from <laughs> <laughs> well, I came in working here and had to le- learn trials, but right. but but especially the when I did the tracks, uh it's it was it was awesome. Uh, it's like playing with Legos when you're a child. You, just, right. you had the ready-made objects and you have to place them and make some cool stuff in there. But but especially I, during that time, Auntie was a lot of involved with the level creation. So I think I got the like the trials in my heart. I really know what's the what's the what what actually trials is that what what. Uh, yeah, like what's the yeah. core? What's yeah, yeah, the basics? Everything you need to know about trials. Because I, then I know, like when I when I do, when I did the track, I knew what how is how it's supposed to be, right. like the how it's supposed to look and how it's actually uh, supposed to feel when you're playing it. And then when I actually went to the 3D team, because uh, like making uh, tracks was fun, but I had more like a artistic ambition, so I wanted to make 3D because I had already studied for six years. Right. So and I was lucky enough to get actually to the 3D team, uh, but actually before that I was uh, the uh, I was a lead, lead uh, level designer for the Trash Frontier. Right on, right on for the mobile game. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, for uh, I was two years for uh, just a track crea- creator. Then uh, for one year I was a lead level designer for the Frontier, and then I was like I'm in, I'm enough with the uh, track creation. I want to do more 3D. So then I started as a junior 3D artist in the 3D team. And I was one year for junior, then like one year as a normal 3D designer. And then they made me the lead artist. <laughs> nice, nice. And that was uh, on Fusion when since you've been doing 3D. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I actually joined the Trans Fusion DLCs. Okay. Excellent. Cool. So now, now we got to know you a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about uh, 3D object creation, asset creation. Like I mentioned, uh, this month in the Trials Garage, we're talking about customization. So let's try and focus on customization a little bit. But of course, as a 3D artist, you you make all kinds of objects, not just customization objects, but like objects for the level editor and that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Um, so first, maybe you could just give us kind of like a broad overview of the process of creating 3G objects uh, for customization, uh, kind of, you know, from conception to to when it's in the game ready to use. So yeah, well basically, it's like the rule is like one 3D object set is one week of work. 
So somebody makes the concept for us. The the level designers make the list of what they want from the, for the tracks, and, the, and then they talk with the producers and the concept guys do the concept, and then we have to like think that how we're gonna actually do the uh, do that object in the in the game. Let's say it's like a car, which is actually pretty complex. So first we go, usually we start with the high poly uh, object, which just has all the details modeled, and but it doesn't have like any textures. But we use that high poly model. Uh, to bake the information to the uh, game model itself. And then with different texture tools uh, like Photoshop or what we now use Substance Painter more, uh, we create the textures and we take the information to the high poly, to the low poly, and we can... And uh, Well, the Substance, design, the Substance Painter is so good, it's like doing... It's like magic, it just makes <laughs> stuff happen. It, uh, like when I started, we didn't have that program yet, so we had to do like lots of stuff by hand. The explicit textures, the textures take a lot of time to do, but they're like the most of the object looks look com- comes from that thing. So uh, half more half texture is half done. <laughs> <laughs> but it, uh, yeah, but it doesn't actually end in that thing. But you, when you have done the fun part, uh, you're doing the high poly model and the textures. Then comes the hard part when you have to have to actually put it into the game, and that's very tedious because well you have to create uh, like level detail models of it, uh, lods what we call them. Uh, they have like uh, the first lod has all the detail polygon uh, triangle deed account. Uh, let's say the car would have like uh, ten thousand triangles, but then the next lod would have like five thousand triangles. That's because you know the game won't run if everything will be. Uh, have the high density triangle count sure. all the time. So when it's when the model is far away in the game, it doesn't need that many triangles to look good. Right. But yeah, you have to create the lodge. Then you have to create, give it some information that what's the weight, how bouncy it is, and, and give some color information, like like color, uh, get some give some attributes that it knows that what, which part should be what color, and can you actually colorize it and that kind of stuff. Right. And then do the collisions. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. Uh, the like making making one plank is easy because it's like one box when you have to do it. Right. But a car, it's so complex. The shape of it is so it's like one car can take like fifty collision boxes, and our <laughs> engine tools isn't that great. So it's so tedious to put those collisions hand by hand in there, and they have to be like rideable. So right. th- and that's like the this. That this is where it's coming actually handy that I was like a level creator because I knew that how important the collisions are for the game, right? Uh, especially for the ramps, right? Because when I actually when I joined the team, uh, I don't know who did the uh, collision ramps for some objects because they uh, they have to be like super smooth and they have to go a little bit inside uh, the collision boxes, right? Each other, and I just found that. Uh, they had some the gaps ain't that bad but if they're like uh, going like uh, if there's like a small step in the inst in the, in the inside curve you can actually feel it right when you're dri- driving on it so my first job because I'm like not an, not an OCD but I like it really disturbed me like this is this is bad this has to be fixed mm-hmm. and, and I started fixing all the ramps in the game that they will be actually more rideable right so the uber ramps in the DLC one. Those are like those were smooth, were much, smooth be- much better collisions, yeah, than the Uber ramps in the base game. Yeah, awesome, awesome. I'm sure some people will say thank you for that. 
Um, so you're running through that list. There's a lot of different steps, uh, a lot of different, uh, what would you say, like talents involved. So like how many, how many people does it really take? Not, you know, you don't have to go in depth, but just kind of like in general, like how many different people would like touch an object during its, its journey from, uh, from the concept art to the, to being in the game? At least four, I would say. It's sure. like there's the level designer, there's the producer, the concept guy, 3D artist, then the some guy behind the 3D artist, do that, do that, a little bit left, a little bit more right, <laughs> and another one like <laughs> who is doing the same thing for the whole team. Sure. <laughs> so, but I would say four, four guys at least, you know, doing the practical work. Right. So one thing... Um... One thing that's come up a lot uh, about Fusion in particular uh, and about customization in Fusion, uh, one, of the big, one of the big pieces of feedback we got that is that there wasn't enough colorization options on some of the bike skins or like some of the rider gear. Um, and I know that there was some technical limitations to, to why there was kind of less color options, but obviously I'm not a very technical guy. Uh, so I don't know what they are, and I would like to talk about them with you. Yeah. <laughs> So, um, so I guess there's some there's like different types of materials that we use in uh when we we create objects and like some materials are are easier to color I guess than others. Well, the, the we could we could call them shaders. Okay. Uh, we have like different shaders in the game, uh, but we can call them materials. We have material, uh, where you put all the texture files, but okay. you have to choose a shader for it. So, right. for like the most basic is like. Uh, just a G, we call it. I don't know where the, it comes from. It's it just GSS. Okay. But then we have like GSS colorize, and then we have GSS uh, colorize metallic. And for example, the difference between those two that uh, the metallic version it will also you can colorize the specular channel. I don't know if it's say if it says anything to anybody, <laughs> but the the dif main difference is is that if you want to create gold goldish metal. Uh, if you use only the colorized version, uh, the the highlight won't be the same color as the object is. So if you have a brown color chosen, uh, if you have non-metallic version, it will be white spe specular highlight on it. But if you have the metallic version, it's going to be like tinted with the brown color what you have chosen. Okay. But yeah, then of course there's the GSS colorized meta uh, emissive one. If you want some emissive parts on the uh, on the object. And the thing is that we cannot combine those, and that's that's what we that's like the hard limit. What we have to do that if we want some emissive parts, we cannot have like metallic parts on the object at the same time. Okay, we have to make like hard decisions. We don't have like a super shader which has uh, all the things what you would have wanted. Right, it. because every time when you add uh, like an attribute for the shader, uh, it's gonna be, it's gonna be more costly for the object. Okay. So it's not just kind of like a technical limitation, but it's also kind of like performance and optimization. Yeah, yeah, especially performance. Okay, awesome, awesome. Um, that's actually the the all the prepared topics <laughs> that I had for this. Um, but I can talk more about the colorization customization. Yeah, let's go a little bit more in the colorization actually, because I think that's that's something that a lot of people are really interested about. Um, so. And this was just the beginning of it. You know, sure, sure. I was just kind of talking about the shaders. Okay, so maybe maybe we could go a little more in depth into some of that kind of give and take that we have. Um, 
And like some of those dis- those decisions that we have to make, maybe we could use an example uh, from Fusion. I'm trying to think. A of- rusty barrel. Okay, rusty barrel. There you go. So uh, to to colorize the rusty barrel, you have the uh, barrel which has some rust pieces pieces on it, and and let's say it's 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 a red, like I don't know the explosive barrel, something like that. Sure. Uh, but okay, we have the rusty barrel, and you want uh, to colorize it, but. Because we want to have the rusty detail, we have to use a color mask for it. So it's a black and white picture, uh, and the white part of it is what you can actually colorize on the object. And on usually the dark, the black black parts of the color mask is left for the rust and uh, dust and uh, like scratches mm-hmm. because you don't want to colorize them. So we have the col- black and white uh, color mask, and in the game we put some attributes and settings and. We tell okay in this object we want to colorize the white parts and then when you go in the game in game editor uh, you have the color wheel and it will only colorize the white parts which is usually the non rusty parts mm-hmm. so that's that's like one of the biggest like limitations that we have a black and white mask only one black and mask uh, white for the whole object okay so but we have to like if it will have a, a missing part so. Uh, that's I think that was actually like like one question that if you have like MC parts, why would you cannot like uh, colorize them differently? Right. The thing the thing is that if you have on that metal barrel uh, an MC uh, like a lead dot on top of it, and you would like to colorize it different color than the rest of the barrel. Right. We cannot do it because it's it's either you colorize the MC part with the same color as the whole barrel, or you don't. Because sure. it has to be on the white part or on the uh, black part of the uh, mask, so that's like a big limitation. So uh, there is a setting that you could like invert the mask, which mm-hmm. is where uh, which we have been like playing with it that thing a lot. Yeah. Currently, so we have. Uh, it was actually all. It was in the game all the time, but it, that has like huge limits. How do you have to actually work with that thing? Right on. Because if it would enable uh, the invert mask coloring, so you could actually colorize with different color the bl- black areas, so you would have like different kind of problems. For, uh, if you uh, still talk about the rusty barrel, uh, if we would colorize the the black area of the color mask, we would actually colorize the the rusty area. Sure. And it wouldn't look that good because you have the if you want to have a on default the rusty rusty areas. You would color it. It's going to be brownish, dark brownish color. Right. So it starts with a color already, basically. Yeah. So and if you colorize it with a blue color, it's just going to get very dark very soon, and it will right. just look very buggy. Right. So to make actually like a two color system to work, uh, the best thing it will be just a white, the whole white barrel. So, but if it let's say it's like no rusty parts, so if you want to use the two color system, that we use the white part. Uh, for color A and the black part of the color mask for color B. So it the, to make it look actually good and working, the whole object should be white on the as default, right? And no like rusty details and anything, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So if it has like a sticker, yellow sticker, like a warning sticker, that will be colorized if you use the two color system, right? But we're like work working on it, so we try to like. Make stuff that wouldn't have rusty pieces, but you could have like different kind of details because 
we have like other ways to make it like make it rusty now. Yeah. Um. So when we when we talk about the kind of the same thing with actual like gear for the bikes or for the rider. Yeah. Um. So we have like uh, in that case maybe we have multiple pieces or something like that. Does that give us more options or uh, or are we kind of still kind of in the same boat? Say you have like a, I don't know like a shirt, then you have maybe different. I don't know how the I don't know, honestly don't know how the pieces are put together, but we have lots of expansions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so. It's all it's all basically one object still, right? And you would have so your shirt is is still just like one essentially object, the same way that a barrel is like one object. Yeah. And so you still have your your black and white color mask. So yeah. if you have any sort of, for example, like logos on the shirt or any sort of details like that, again, you're in kind of the same boat, right? Where you can't either you color the logo along with the rest of the shirt. Yeah. Or you have to make the logo not colorable. Yeah. So it. It's like it depends what we want from the object. That if you want to have the logo which has colors, mm -hmm. then it's going to be hard. But but let's say we want to we have the T-shirt and we want to divide it that the right part of it is uh, color blue and the other part is uh, red, mm -hmm. and we want to colorize both of them. So with the black and uh, black and white uh, and the two color system, we could actually do it. Mm -hmm. But if you want to have still a uh, logo in the center, uh, which will be like rainbow color, mm -hmm. uh, it's gonna be it. It will take colors from the both of those. Right. It, it, it actually it will, it will divide from the center, but the other part the, of the rainbow will be like totally bluish, and the other part will be totally reddish. Mm -hmm. And so we cannot have like a third mask for everything because everything. It's all about the performance. We probably, if we would have asked it from the coders, can you make this crazy, stupid uh, thing? They were like, okay, maybe, but it will be just it will be just co too costly to make like two color masks for everything, right? Because everything like, if you have the most simple object, it will it will be like two draw calls, what we can, uh, what we call them, and in the screen, you if you have like ten. 10, uh, 1,000 objects, it's going to be uh, 2,000 draw calls at least because everything, it depends like on how many pieces that one object is made from. So if it's like a very lightweight object, it's going to be like only two draw calls, but you still can have only like 1,000 objects on the screen right. if, the, if the limit is 2,000 draw calls. So, <laughs> so if you have a very complex material shaders uh, made from multiple pieces, the one object, uh, it will be like instead of two draw calls, it will be uh, six draw calls because sure. we could model the T-shirt that it's actually two pieces fit to, uh, fit fit together. Mm -hmm. So we would uh, so the right and the left left part will be like different meshes. So we we would could have them their own uh, materials and their own color IDs, which which we would find in the the color ID is the thing that if you want to colorize uh, one object. Uh, the color color wheel needs to know that which object in the game you want to colorize. Sure. So the T-shirt or the metal barrel, it will be like number one, let's say, and the T-shirt will be uh, number two. So if you want to, you have the color wheel, so you have to know that which object it is colorizing. So when you select the metal barrel, 
uh, the color wheel wants to know what is actually colorizing, because we could actually do it that if you want to colorize the uh, metal barrel, it would actually accidentally colorize a bike. Sure. <laughs> but the, the, that's why we have to make sure that it's actually colorizing the metal barrel. Right, so and I believe like uh, uh, players at home have found ways to do that in in previous trials games, ways to color things that uh, that are not meant to be colorable, and uh, and I believe it's it's using the logic tools to kind of like fool that breaking uh, it that so naughty, but it's <laughs> <laughs> there was actually there was actually this one bug that uh, one of the level designers. Uh, found and I was actually I was thinking maybe we could actually make it as a feature <laughs> because it was a, it was a bug, uh-huh. but it was actually working pretty well. <laughs> I, it was like it was t- like tinting the the object to be more white or or more black. Okay. And and the and the object wasn't even color colorizable. Right. So it was actually working pretty well. <laughs> nice. So uh, I hope maybe people at home didn't get lost too much. Uh, there's a lot of technical stuff in there. <laughs> this is even hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the main takeaway I got from that last little bit is is essentially the more the more options we put into a single object, the less objects we can have on the screen at the same time. Yeah, we try to make that we have uh, more is less. <laughs> Quantity over quality. Right. <laughs> And then, uh, and then the other kind of I think key takeaway, at least that I've I've pulled out of this is, um, if we want to have nice details, you know, like rust on a barrel, or I don't know what any I can't think of any other examples just off the top of my head, but any other like nice details on any sort of object, like minute small details, um, then that's going to contribute to like kind of limiting what we can do color wise, depending on how those how those textures are made. Yeah, we have to, we have to do like decision that what we what we want from the object. Awesome, awesome. Well, thanks a lot. That was very informative. Um, before we go, is there anything else you'd like to? It's like your opportunity to talk to the trials community. Anything you'd like to say to them, or uh, I don't know, maybe something for aspiring artists out there. It's it's never too late to become an artist, you know. Awesome. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, even now, I'm like still. After ten years, I'm like thinking, I'm shit at this, what I'm doing, <laughs> but it's never too late, you know. Five more years, then I could be like a super three D artist and or two D artist. Exactly, I think that's great advice. Never too late to follow your dreams, try something new, uh, expand yourself as a human being, be a better person. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so thank you, Arno. Uh, I'm not going to take up any more of your time today. I know you're a busy man, um, or busy male. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, everybody at home, for sticking with us. Uh, I hope that uh, this was an interesting conversation for you guys, and I hope that you tune in next month to the Trials Garage. We'll be talking about a whole new topic with a whole new person. Uh, until then, we'll see you on the leaderboards.